Greetings, Amigops. This week with Top 10 with Kyle and Mike, I'm going to be working on modulating my volume a little bit better. But seriously, though, Kyle and I are joined this week, as we have been many weeks recently, by a very special guest. This week, we're joined by one of our very best friends, Sarah. I don't even have to ask what the topic is this week. We'll be talking about the Top 10 Best Plays by Todd Frazier. Maybe... If that doesn't quite suffice, we'll be talking about the top 10 Cincinnati Reds of all time. I don't know, something like that. At any rate, whatever this topic is, we'll be discussing it, debating it vigorously, and by the end of the episode, we'll have a definitive top 10. So, dear friends, what is this week's top 10? Oh, well, thank you, Mike, for that beautiful intro, but while you were correct in saying Cincinnati Reds are amazing and everything possible, it was probably <laughs> one of my discussions that I had with Kyle about possible topics. Reds, <laughs> yeah. baseball, Cincinnati sports in general, all of the above. But you guys had already done some baseball topics, so mm-hmm. figured we would switch it up this week. Kyle and I actually both came <laughs> upon this topic together. We were having a great discussion, as one does, in a kitchen during a lovely evening gathering. <laughs> Beverages were involved. It really just... <laughs> Sarah and I had had a few each at Sarah's place. We're standing in her kitchen right after we'd gotten something out of the fridge. And right in front of us was her spice rack. It, it's a beautiful spice rack. I worked very hard to hang that perfectly level on my wall. And it spurred a conversation that we just felt needed to be brought to you, Mike. And that is, what are the top 10 kitchen spices? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I love this so much. (laughs) We discovered there was a passion between both Kyle and I about what was the most important spice to have in your spice rack. And that just spiraled into many, many others that should or should not be included in your go-to spices. Yeah. I think we realized like pretty much at the same time that the arguments we were having would lend itself pretty well to a top 10 list. So here we are. I mean, this was several months ago, so I apologize for the delay, but we're We're doing it. We're here. We made it. This is so interesting because I am thinking about all my spices that I love, and there are just certain dishes that require a lot of different spices. I'm thinking about my chili. I love the thing about like different spices is depending on the my mood, I can dial it up to make it a hot dish or I can almost make it kind of a sweet dish. Mm-hmm. And it's all about them spices. It's the beauty of making a combination of whatever you want and kind of throwing it together in a pot and rolling with the punches. I think that's the cool thing about cooking and why I've enjoyed getting into it because of the variety. Well, I think spices are the easiest way to add your own kind of flair to any given dish. Very true. Yeah. Because you can only tamper so much with what actually goes into the meal, but how you season it and that, that has has a lot of personality to the individual cook. Right. And I guess should preference this by saying not an actual cook. (laughs) Background includes a total of maybe three (laughs) years of real world expertise, a lot of food network, me pretending to know what I'm doing, and a lot of winging it. In that same vein, spices can really help an amateur cook like you or me cover up a lot of mistakes in actual cooking technique. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, th- I think it's really important. I'll get my TV references out of the way early so we can focus on the real business at hand. But the most obvious and 
just wonderful. My dad would be very disappointed if I didn't mention it. Example of an amateur cook covering up his inadequacies with spices is Frank Costanza. <laughs> While serving as a cook during the Korean War, has a batch of meat that has come in and is clearly past its date but decides to cook for his platoon anyway. And he says, I figured with just the right combination of spices, and you see him dumping, like an old bay, just dumping it, and then smacking the flat end of a butcher's knife onto the meat, trying to get it just right. So that's that's like the amateur's work with spices. Now, a professional with spices is somebody more like Nick Miller from New Girl, who makes his famous sauce, which includes, like, mayonnaise, ketchup, a little bit of salt. There's, like, a spider that falls into it, and somehow it ends up being delicious. You never know the alchemy of the spices. You never know. Right. That's not even my favorite <laughs> spice-related New Girl reference. <laughs> when CC cooks with Schmidt for the first time, rule number one, don't tell me I'm cooking with too much tarragon because I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> That's Okay. All okay. right. Okay. So that was one of the the rules that uh, not an expert cook. So judge me yeah. as you will. Number two was I left off two important things that I know people cook with daily, but I thought they would not bring as much variety to the conversation. So we cut out salt and pepper. Mm. Just just lopped them off the di- the entire list. Thought it would be too much especially with the variety of salts that you can get into didn't want to spiral down there i think that's a legitimate move because i think kyle and i have dealt with this sometimes with top tens is there are times when it feels like an inevitable march towards number one you know won't spoil too many of our pods but like let's say spies for example (laughs) you all everybody knows what number one is going to be and uh, I've done the same with a bunch of my list too, like, you know, fictional dogs, for example. Like, we all know who number one was going to be. I guess some people disagreed and we might have missed a few. <laughs> but at least knowing I was for doing example, the list, like, <laughs> yes, knowing I was doing the list. So this is, I think that's legitimate. I think it's pretty obvious to all of us that either salt, like, you know, plain old salt or plain old pepper would be number one and the other one would be number two. So I- I'm down with that move. Right. And then the, the last thing that I just wanted to call out is the fact that I did include fresh herbs as a part of this. So not just mm. your your dried spices in the rack, because I started getting into some of the things that you can grow on your windowsill if you have a green enough Ooh. thumb, I guess. So I yeah. wanted to bring that in, too, as a possibility. Herbs and spices. Yes, I guess yeah. that would be a better title for this. All right. I'm going to change the, the, the title here. <laughs> okay. So well, then I, I guess... Let's roll into it. What's number 10? Diving into number 10, drumroll please, to start us off, we have the best little bit of spice, little bit of nice, cayenne. Oh. (laughs) I have found that this spice is an easy combination to just throw in with a couple of other, your very standard spices that we'll get to later. It doesn't really stand on its own, so that's mm-hmm. why I didn't bump it up in the list, but I do find myself reaching for it to just add a little bit more of a pep to my step and a bunch of dishes. We'll say with cayenne, like the taste by itself, like you said, is not very distinctive, but it's what I go to when I'm trying to make something spicy. Right. And you don't you really don't you really don't need much of it. Exactly. I'm starting off hot flare. on this list. <laughs> yeah. 
It's a nice, it's got a nice smoke to it. Like it's more of a rich kind of smoky heat as opposed to some of the other heats. Like I think the, the tangy or the sweet heat is a very different brand and this has got the nice smoky heat. The only thing that I think knocks Cayenne and some of its friends <laughs> is that it's more friendly to like a, a soup or a broth base, like something like a chili. And it's a little tougher to work into the grill rotation. Yeah. Now, I say that from my vantage point, dear friend Quinn is likely busy because, spoiler alert, he is now a papa. So he's likely too busy to notice this. But on the off chance that he happens to be listening, I'm sure it's lovely as a dry rub on his grill. But I think, I think these, this family of spices, it doesn't have quite the versatility, but damn, it's got the taste. Exactly. So wanted to throw that in solid 10, just get you started with a little bit of kick to your step. Next one coming in at number nine is good old oregano. Mm. Mm -hmm. Very standard base, throw it into a bunch of your Italian dishes. Also, I find myself adding it to roasted vegetables and even some like Mediterranean dishes that I'll make. Not overwhelming. I never go, oh my gosh, that's oregano in whatever I'm eating right now. But yeah. I feel like it's still one of those base things that you must have in your rack to pull and go yeah. to because so many recipes draw from it. Now, when you're picturing oregano, is the image in your head the dried oregano kind of flakes or are you picturing fresh oregano? What's no, your image? I image right now is just those dried flakes. I don't know if I've ever actually cooked with fresh oregano. Nor have I. Have you? I think that my family uses fresh oregano from time to time. But I know that one time my sisters and I made some soup for my parents. We were like, you know, 10, 8, and 6 or something like that. We decided to be really nice. My parents have been out for the day, which is very irregular at that age. And we made them some soup. And we accidentally did the uh, the chopped up dried oregano but didn't convert it. Mm. And it was inedible but our parents trooped on for us and pretended that it was it was edible it was not <laughs> like good parents they are good too. parents yeah yeah but i'm with you guys it's an unsung hero the thing about oregano is that you you a recipe calls for it like one in every like four times i cook which and i think this was true when i used to live with dylan and quinn and jameson we all would cook for each other and so like it's the kind of spice where the recipe calls for it, and you're like, do we have oregano? <laughs> and so we had, like, six oreganos <laughs> in our cabinet, because you you can't remember. You're like, ah, I, we probably do, but I don't want to get back and not have it. So, like, we had six of them. This is such a brilliant observation, and I think should weigh on how we feel about these things. That's true. <laughs> Certainly. I this have, is a brilliant observation. I have the opposite <laughs> problem, though, because... Just the other day, I was cooking a recipe, and I just assumed I had oregano, got home, yeah. mm. realized was out of oregano, and had to be that person in the line at the grocery store with Uh-oh. one thing in my hand, a jar of oregano. What's interesting about that particular scenario is, and I don't want to spoil anything further up on your list, I think there are a couple suitable oregano substitutes that you could get by with in a pinch That's with true. a pinch of said spice. Oh, oh. That's I'm I mean. now I'm now so intrigued because I assume that if I were to walk out this door right now and go to my kitchen <laughs> that I have oregano. 
I think maybe this is the start of our online polls. Like, does Mike have zero, one, <laughs> or more than one container of oregano? And I will participate in the poll and most likely be wrong. You're just as likely to have three of these as none. At yeah. Least, yeah. Unless is, that's for me, personally. But. It's a great way to put it. Yeah. Anyways, that's oregano. <laughs> <laughs> Solid and necessary. Sometimes you have way too much. Sometimes you just, you have none. It just yeah. flies under the radar, <laughs> but still, still worthy of a top ten spot. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. All right, then moving on up. The next spice that I had, which I think is going to get a little bit of pushback, but this is personal bias coming into play. At number eight is cumin. Mm. There's only one person who doesn't want cumin on this list, Kyle. Who's that? It's Stuart Dunmire, <laughs> a.k.a. Pierce Brosnan and Mrs. Doubtfire. I think there's two people. Oh, wait, no, One is, that's Paprika. Yes, his is Paprika. We're thinking of the dad from Drake and Josh, right? That's right, yep. <laughs> Damn it. No, I. you knew where I was going. You knew. Don't they put cumin in his waffles? Yes. <laughs> I don't know why. Those guys are always getting into shenanigans. They're always up to something. Okay, make the case for cumin. Yeah, so this is the case for cumin at eight, because I do know it is used in many, (laughs) many, many recipes, and apparently waffles too. Uh, (laughs) It is so overwhelming to me that I have to, I find myself dialing back any recipe that calls for cumin by half. It has this very overwhelming, smoky flavor to me that's so distinctive that it just doesn't play well with spices in the way that people want me to cook with it. So this is one of those moments where I always find myself mixing things up and changing the portions of spices. It's because cumin is just over the top. I know it's used a lot, but I had to knock it just because... It's not my favorite. On Kyle's personal list of spices, on my personal top 10 spice rack, cumin is very high. I cook with it a lot. Right. It's similar to cayenne in that it usually goes into some more savory things. My chili, heavy on the cumin. Mm. Eggs from hell, which I just made tonight. One thing I like about cumin as opposed to a cayenne is that it's a little less actual heat. And has a little more flavor, which means I can also use it. I'll put it on, I'll sprinkle it really lightly on top of vegetables, mm. broccoli, mm. or asparagus. And it's like just enough. And you really don't need much of it if you're going to do it like that. It's a, it's, I feel like it's divisive flavor though. Because if you're in, if you're, it's a really strong flavor. So if you're into it, you're into it, like right. me. And if you're not, then like you me. can tell, you, you can always tell when it's there. Exactly. See, I have to utterly disagree with both of you. Not because I think you're wrong, but because I think I'm totally ignorant here. Because when you said cumin, I'm like, I know what cumin is. I could pick it out in the spice rack. Not least which because all of these spices tend to be labeled. It's very helpful. <laughs> but because I do, I do know what it looks like. I actually don't think I know what cumin tastes like. And I think the reason I don't know what it tastes like is because the only time I ever use it is when it's called for. So I'm not going out and adding a little like, ooh, this needs cumin. And when it's called for in most of these recipes, it's called for in combination with like 12 other spices. So I've already combined them or I've, you know, dropped them in the pot. And so I don't actually think I know what cumin tastes like. You'd recognize it's, you eat it like a good Mexican restaurant. You'll taste a lot Mm -hmm. of it. 
Indian has a lot of cumin in it as yeah, well. Yeah, that's a good example. Like, I, I love Indian cuisine, and I anytime I make some Indian food, I've already thrown a bunch of other spices, and so I'm like, oh, that tastes lovely, and I'm not picking out specific spices in that case. Yeah. Mm. I, I will agree with Kyle's statement that it goes well if you're roasting things. I find myself throwing it on chickpeas every mm. now and again, but it's always in combination with something else, I, I, and oh, it never yeah. flies solo for me. For me, I will put it solo, or like, I'll put it, and this is a good argument for why salt and pepper maybe should ultimately stay off the list, is like, it's a given that I'm also going to be seasoning whatever I'm seasoning with salt and pepper. Mm. Yeah. But you're right, typically, my kind, I don't want to list off a bunch of spices that are going to end up further on your <laughs> list. But I'm thinking of a particular, like, big three right. when you're making something savory that go into pretty much all of them, and cumin is one of those, for Exactly. Sure. So, hence mm. why it is on the list. Just gets knocked because, again, personal feelings about this spice. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. All right. Then the next major player that I wanted to bring up, still coming in at seven, so a little low, but definitely on the list because of its variety is basil. Mm. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely one of those that I was toying with and what brought me into the herbs and spices life because basil is so easy to use in both that fresh form and also the dried from your rack form. Absolutely. I think to me, the argument for basil comes down purely to the, the, the classic fresh pizza, just like yeah, a pizza with tomato, basil, mozzarella. That's it. That's all it needs. There's, pre- I can't think of another spice, you know, or herb that would fit in that way. Like, I don't want to say as Kyle. I don't want to name a bunch, but like, there's a couple of spices and herbs out there that are really wonderful. Basil is just, mm. and I, I have a memory of my grandfather's garden growing up. And him having me like walk around and pick stuff and smell different things. And basil is so fragrant on the vine in a way that most herbs yeah. and spices kind of aren't. I, that smell is, it's very symbolic to me of, of a childhood smell that I love. And it's, it's cool how much it stands on its own in a pizza. Pizza, uh, I remember making just fresh tomato and yep. basil on a Triscuit as a kid that my mom mm. would make too. Oh, well. Yes. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> very easy. refined young like child. <laughs> Watching the Reds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Watching the Reds with my basil and my tomatoes. <laughs> just living my best life in the Cincinnati. Absolutely. Adding basil to... Basil, more so than the ones we've talked about so far, is more of a, a garnish than a mm. cooking spice. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, basil usually get, gets topped at the end. On a pizza... Yep. On pasta, on top of anything with like tomato, any kind of tomato yeah. base. Yeah. But it, it, it adds visually and taste wise so much fancy to whatever you're cooking. Mm. Like your pasta just went from like shitty, like canned tomatoes and like elbow noodles that you threw into the pot after work into a really nice refined dish that a, a young adult prepared for thyself. It, you know what I mean? Like it elevates it. It's yeah. elevating. Herb spice, it, whatever we're calling it. I think it kind of straddles the line. Yeah. It's, it's kind of in both, it's in both camps. Yeah. Definitely. So that, that was a strong 
strong contender. Again, there are more that I tapped over it. Open to discussion in the future on this, but this was the first one that really pulled me away from just that spice rack because I wanted to talk more about the variety that you can include in the fresh portion of basil. Sure. Did you think about a not top three at all? Oh, I I don't think I necessarily thought of a not top three. I think I just have a top 10 of things that didn't make it in. <laughs> I, I think that's reasonable. This is a difficult one to go yeah. not for. Because I think that the, the list of spices that gets called for, at least in sort of like the typical cuisine that we might be cooking, has been winnowed down pretty well over the over the years. Yeah. To the point where there's a good stable. Like the stable of spices is, is good. What's out there is good. And I think the rest of it, the stuff that you and I, our taste buds might say is bad, are things that we're probably not familiar enough with to like have a really good stance on. Like is cardamom good? I don't think I know. I don't, I don't know. I hope that's not your number one. <laughs> I did bring so, it up in my list of like, wow. but what about cardamom? Because uh, yeah, I also so, bought up a lot of different things. But I agree that it's not necessarily bad. It's just what are you used to? Yeah. What have you grown up or become accustomed to when cooking? Yeah. And I think that's sort of the interesting thing about this list is it's so dependent upon your experiences that I think you kind of work from like the best of breed in the cuisine you know, and the rest of it is sort of a black box. I guess I would throw, the only one I would put up for contention in the not top three is the garlic flake, because the garlic flake, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I've, I've used the garlic flake in the past as a substitute for real garlic, oh. and it's just not the same. Yeah. And this is different from garlic powder. Yes, because I think And garlic... this is also different from minced garlic. Correct. What the hell is this then? I don't think I I think I know what you're They're, talking I, about, I'll, but I've never purchased it I'll, to keep it. I'll in grab mind. it out of the cupboard if you oh, want. I'll boy. show it to you if you want. But it's it's like it's not powder, it's not garlic powder. It's thicker than that. It's like flakes is the best way to describe it. It's a, it's like flakes of garlic. And like I said, I tried to use it as a substitute for actual actual minced or like do it your DIY garlic, mm-hmm. and it just the, the flavor is not there. Mm-hmm. So that's the only that's like why is why this exists is confusing to me, and that's why I would throw it on the not top three. That's yeah, the one why I can does that it. exist? I'm with you. That seems like something that would have just shown up in Bunicula, but it shouldn't exist in real life, right? So. Mm-hmm. I accept that. Both of your ignorance to the garlic flake (laughs) just shows shows who I'm hanging with here. (laughs) Right? I I think I know what you're talking about once you have brought it up as something that exists, but why? Again, why? It's, it's for... I would like to see a recipe that calls for garlic flakes. N- n- yeah, exactly. None, no such yeah. recipe exists. It's for people that don't want to mess with garlic. Mm. Well, this is interesting. That actually kind of brings up a point that I, I'm thinking about as we think about these spices is I think that the danger factor is important because I think the reason that the garlic flake probably exists, and this is pure conjecture because I still don't know what it is, but I'm imagining <laughs> it might exist to allow for a different like baseline intensity of garlic. Cause I think garlic powder, for example, 
you immediately run a stronger risk of having too much garlic than if you use fresh garlic. Mm -hmm. Now, you gain back in terms of ease. You gain back in terms of mess and all that stuff. But you have the the added risk of, of just totally overdoing the garlic. And so I think there are certain spices on here that are safe. Like salt is, is a good example for something that's not on the list. You're basically safe with salt. It takes an awful lot of salt to oversalt a dish. It doesn't take a ton of, you know, certain other spices to overdo it. Like cumin's a good example. Cumin, you've, there's a much greater chance of ruining a dish with cumin than there is with something like salt. Yep, that's true. <laughs> It's been done by me before. <laughs> I have made that mistake of tablespoons versus teaspoons uh, with cumin. Again, mm-hmm. regretted it. Yeah, you gotta look out for that B. Right. Alright, well, that's enough in the top three then. Wanna roll into six? Let's, let's roll into six. I think this will come with some contention from one of the members of this podcast. Because I believe we had previously talked about it, but coming in at six is the crushed red pepper. Uh, this is something that I believe goes on pizza. When I researched a, a little bit, people also seem to like putting it into soups. But yes. while it is yep. very, I guess that's important. I don't, I'm not a big soup person. I love soup. Yeah. So, so maybe that plays too into, again, my, my positioning of crushed red pepper at number six, but it's something that I don't think I've used maybe more than an eighth of the bottle in my spice oh rack. Oh my lord. Excuse uh, me. <laughs> crushed red pepper is one of the only spices I've ever like actually gotten to the bottom of it and been like, shit, I need more red pepper. Like, <laughs> like in a, like a short amount of time I've done this, you know? Yeah. I put red. I it's to the point now where I can't even eat pizza or pasta without red pepper flakes. Like regardless of the type of pasta, red pepper flakes are going on it. Regardless of the type of pizza, red pepper flakes are going on that. Mm. I wouldn't say regardless of the type of soup, but I love making tomato soup and grilled cheese. And I always dump a bunch of red pepper flakes in the tomato soup. Oh, red pepper flakes and basil. I like the sound of that. What's interesting about the red pepper flake that kind of stands out from the other items here is that it's almost exclusively an after spice. Yes. Uh, it, it's, I can't actually think of a, an instance in which I've put red pepper flakes into a recipe while cooking. It's a finisher, which is, which is interesting. It kind of positions it differently because for me, I'm more of a, a mid spicer than an after spicer. I like to spice while I cook and then eat it as is. And I think I have a little bit of vanity as a cook that like I prefer my my guests eat that same way. Caroline, longtime girlfriend, steadily refuses to do so. No matter what <laughs> I offer her, she spices it. I, I can she can be standing in front of me as I dump salt into the eggs that I'm making her. She then puts salt on it. At any rate, <laughs> I, I think I, I'm not bitter about it though. I think that the red, the red pepper flakes are situated interestingly in that regard because my whole family, other other than me, because I just I like to leave food kind of as it is once it's done. My mom, my grandfather, my they just dump red pepper flakes on everything. Mm-hmm. I think I've accidentally insulted 
dear friend of the pod, Dill, many times, because pretty much anything he cooks, I put red pepper flakes on, <laughs> because he makes such amazing Italian food. Like, he makes yeah. me pasta, I put red pepper flakes on it. He makes me yeah. and You're mac and cheese, it. I put red pepper flakes on it. It makes it better, and I think, See, <laughs> Dylan, I'm sorry, but, like, it has nothing to do with your cooking. I love it so much. It's it's just, I, I love to put it, I like the heat. What does that say, though, about its its ability to play well with others? I think this is one of those spices that, again, when you bring into a dish, it's the dominant player. It's going to completely overwhelm everything else you've got going on. See, I make the argument that red pepper flakes don't really taste like much. It's... it's it- Point exactly, then why are we needing them in anything that we do? Because it, <laughs> more so than cayenne, it gives you the kick of cayenne without really changing, changing the flavor profile of what you're eating. Okay. Pizza is a great example. I think pizza is the ultimate pair with, with these red pepper flakes because you have that tang, you have that acidic taste from the from the tomatoes and especially taking a pizza like something with like a really tomatoey profile so a lot of sauce or something with like fresh tomato on it it's got the tang and i think what kyle's getting at is those red pepper flakes don't dull or change or overwhelm the tang they escalate it and add a heat to it so instead of having like a tomato pepper you're having a spicy tomato. It like it changes the tomato into a spicy tomato rather than like fundamentally altering the taste. Well, <laughs> really well put, Mike. It's thanks, I, dog. I really like spicy food, so the red pepper flake is my go-to when I want something to be mm-hmm. spicier and I don't want it to change the way it tastes. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay. We'll take that into consideration as we, we appreciate along. Sarah. We appreciate your humility in putting your personal feelings aside and. and ranking this highly to begin with you're a better top tenor than us yeah yeah you're a true you're a true you're a true understander of the pot (laughs) or at least its mission (laughs) again i i docked cumin so much with my own personal feelings (laughs) that i felt like i couldn't also do that with crushed red pepper so this is a guilt six yeah red pepper (laughs) that's fine we will take a guilt yeah absolutely (laughs) okay then Coming in at number five is a newfound love of mine and used frequently in my cooking. It is ginger. Ginger Ooh. is something oh. as a child I thought I disliked. It was one of those dishes or tastes that my mother did not like. Therefore, I mm. believed I did not like And it wasn't until probably I would say within the past two years that I started tasting ginger, experimenting with it in a lot of my dishes, especially when I make Thai cuisines or anything along the lines of Indian, Japanese, whatever you have there, that I love adding ginger into what I'm doing. Also, just eating it straight up off of sushi trays now is life-changing. I didn't even know how great it could be. So Wait, that's ginger? Yeah, like the little yeah. pickled stuff that sits on the side. That I like sami. devour before my sushi even yes, gets there? that is ginger. Oh. I know, right? I, <laughs> I've always wondered what that was and just never <laughs> asked or looked it up. <laughs> I've just eaten it. <laughs> just, just fully accepted, whatever this is. Well, and just by coincidence, I've never, I don't think I've ever cooked with ginger, so mm. I, I never like made the connection yeah. in my head. Yeah, 
So I, I specifically remember recently making a really nice curry and in it, it called for fresh ginger. And I think I used an entire root of just fresh chopped up, let it simmer in the curry and you would just bite into it and get this burst of flavor that went along with it. So that being said, I cook mostly with fresh ginger, not like your little powdered stuff just because it's so much more fragrant, but I think the powder is an okay substitute as well. But because of its variety of forms, clearly sushi, powder, fresh, goes great as tea too. Mm. And it's... Also as ale. Ginger beer. Yes. Yum. Great new thing that I discovered was easy to drink outside of airplanes too. Ginger ale. Who knew? Mm. But it's overlapping of different cuisines was what brought it in at five. I feel like a lot of things that we've been talking about before, cumin outside of that, are very individual to a certain type of cuisine. With the red pepper, it's pizza. Or with the oregano, again, it's still Italian in that sense. Well, not only only that, yeah, exactly. Like Prior to this, it's been a lot of Italian-style spices and meals and ginger don't think you'd put that on no. uh, on pizza or pasta. I don't think that would. It plays well with tomatoes. You just have to use more, again, of Asian cuisine instead of that oregano basil mm. base that you generally put into an Italian dish. Ginger is interesting. I suspect that I like ginger more than I know because the only times that I know I'm consuming ginger is the every third or fourth time I get sushi that I try to nibble a little bit of that ginger just to see if I like it this time. And I don't. (laughs) (laughs) But by that measure, there's a lot of spices that I wouldn't like because who really likes just like consuming a spice straight up other than Kyle, it seems. So that's sort of my like outward exposure with ginger. But I sense that I probably like it in other stuff because I think when it's toned down or when it's playing its part like to accompany other flavors... I like it. And I love Asian food. I'm pretty much whatever you throw in front of me, I'll eat it. And since a lot of that leverage is the ginger, I'm imagining that I I probably like it more than I even know. And and I think ginger gains huge points, as you said, for its how widely used it is by different cuisines. Right. And the the thing about the ginger that is on the side of your sushi, let me say that again. The thing about the ginger that's on the side of your sushi is that it's a pickled ginger, which falls into the lines of yeah. like pickles in general. So I understand why people yeah. don't love that. I never knew that until vinegary. you just said that. Yeah. Which I'm a huge fan of anything pickled put in front of I me. love pickles generally. I didn't, I didn't know that about that though. Yeah. So that explains mm. it because it's definitely a different flavor than like say what you get when you drink like a ginger beer or something like that. Yeah. Makes sense. Very interesting. Right. Wow. Sarah, thank you for teaching us that. Welcome to Ginger. And I again <laughs> this is this is newfound to me. I am only just discovering it. So I'm sure there are many people out there listening that I've thoroughly offended with my lack of ginger knowledge. But that's okay. We're continuing on and <laughs> I am shouting out and becoming a, a better ginger lover because of it. So we're not about knowing things on this podcast. We're about loudly no. proclaiming our feelings about them. Strong opinions. I can do that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Fantastic. Ginger. Looking forward to finding something to cook with ginger very soon. Yeah, I, I'm in. I'm. I'm gonna find something. I think I'm gonna try to find something for all of these ones that I'm not as familiar with. 
Mm-hmm. Do you want to roll into uh, number four there, Sarah? Absolutely. So number four is, again, within the same vein of herb spice and is something that's very near and dear to me, but is absolutely going to be polarizing to a lot of people. I think science has proven it's polarizing to people. It is Ooh. the great cilantro. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Love me some cilantro. <laughs> I am one of those people that does not think it tastes like soap. So anytime I'm living anywhere within the Mexican Southwestern life of food, put some fresh cilantro on it and I am a happy camper. It's also one of those spices. Again, we were talking about the smell of basil that you just pick up when you're in a garden. Yeah. Fresh cilantro, when you cut that off the the stem it is so amazing to me amazingly overwhelming in just an awesome way <laughs> yeah i ha- i happen to be in the cilantro camp i remember a very specific time me and my stepdad mark were at my place alone we decided to order a pizza from our favorite pizza place buddies i have a pizza that i love there called the ontario which is barbecue sauce with pineapple and ham <laughs> oh. which it, it's not for everybody nope now it is for you though but it's, it is for me i i love the pizza and mark said yeah that sounds great and i just forgot to mention that cilantro was on the pizza like i didn't that's not like one of the main ingredients in my head and it was a problem he like <laughs> wow like he he was a man about it and he and he you know he picked it at it or and just dealt with it but he was like you didn't say there was cilantro on this and like i didn't realize it was such a big deal i was like well no i didn't, I didn't mention it. it's just cilantro he's like it tastes like so you kind of <laughs> you kind of figured you had to clear the hurdles of like barbecue sauce and yeah like, it's, like it's, yeah isn't that funny like that's the problem he had with the pizza like and, and i'm not i'm not making fun of him like i understand it now and it and I, in retrospect it makes a lot of sense but like, but prior to that, and this was only like a year ago. Prior to, that, I had no idea that like there was this gap, this divide, yeah. this schism. Yeah, it, it it's a holy war. Caroline and I were discussing this the other day. Like, there are certain we have this thing at work where like where there's this big debate that goes on in our industry, and and somebody coined it like it's a holy war. It's just. Nobody is going to give an inch. And I just love that concept because you kind of have to recognize in life what things are holy wars. And you have to do your best to sort of like work on it at the margins, but you just know things aren't going to change. Cilantro, the battle for cilantro is one of those things. Like I'm a cilantro is soap person. Really? And I care, and I care deeply for both of you, but (laughs) there's not a lot you're going to say. Like this is just the way it goes. I, I do think that if I am in a nice Mexican restaurant and they have, I think, I think cilantro appears in pico de gallo, right? Absolutely, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, so like in a pico de gallo, I think cilantro is a, is a very important element and it needs it and I like it and I move on. And other than that, no, tastes you, like so. Can you handle chipotle rice? Because they actively put fresh cilantro in all of their rice. I think I had Chipotle for the first time last week. Over the weekend. I want to say over the weekend. For the first time in a few months? What'd you say? You mean like you had it for the first time in a few months after a break? 
No, ever. I had a. I, it was at a catered function, and there was Chipotle. Sarah <laughs> and I are literally staring at each other in disbelief. How could a man of your age never have eaten Chipotle before? Like, there are. I think. I think it's. It's the damn cilantro. Wow. I think it's pretty well documented by you and probably by our our listeners because they know me. I just miss some things. Like, there are certain radio, things. Just, radio on the internet. Like, radio on the internet, Snapchat, and Chipotle, like, have just passed me by. And tangled. I thought we were yeah, going to unearth. Yeah. I thought we were going to unearth some things with this, this top yeah. 10, you know, some strong opinions. But never in my wildest dreams did I believe that we could discover Mike's lack of Chipotle. You're yeah. like the oldest, you're like baby Diego. You're like the oldest person alive that hasn't had Chipotle. <laughs> wow. Children of men reference for those of you out yeah, there sorry. who are totally lost here. I am like baby Diego. And I'm not like Diego, the baby, the baby hunting saber tooth in Ice Age. I'm like baby Diego. Top 10 Diego's coming oh. up next week. Oh, that'd be, that'd be really fun. Anyways, you're, I'm glad you're on the Chipotle train now. Yes, but I think this this spice we'll just have to wrestle with it a little bit when we do our ultimate ranking because it is I I like those it's a holy war like yeah. no one has ever convinced another person that like you know what I think you're probably right I think cilantro is probably okay yeah, like that's I can never jump ha- that gap and no one has ever been like you know all this time I've been a little wrong I probably should. Pretty ease up on the cilantro. Like, yeah. No one's ever been convinced yeah. one way or the other. Once you find your stance on cilantro, it's not going anywhere. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Sarah. That brings us to number three, which means it's time to talk through your honorable mentions. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So as I mentioned earlier, I had a hard time picking out these honorable mentions. Like, I had a top ten and then a next top 10 and then a next top 10 because (laughs) when i was taking a look at possible spice racks to get there were some that had you know like the measly little i think 24 just two rows of spices not not allowed in my house bitches yeah i went for the giant like this thing is at least a foot tall spice rack that just sits on the wall that's that's how I knew I had an issue with spices was, or, or should I say a great relationship was because I was tired of sorting through your little cabinet, trying to find them. So that being said, honorable mentions, there's a couple. I'm going to try to keep it quick and simple. Rapid fire honorable mentions. Love it. So the one that, that probably is going to get some people, but I think we had a good conversation about it was paprika. This is, again, one of those that is good enough to bring in, can't really stand upon its own, and I like cayenne better, so cayenne kick paprika out of the top ten. Paprika is one of the big three if you're making a chili or something like that. Right. It, it, it's it's yeah. pap- paprika, cumin, cayenne, and probably... Well, there's one more. But, like, it's, it's, like, in that family of just, like, general zesty, like, spicy kind of... Exactly. And like one of them is probably going to get left out or yep. two maybe. So yeah. I I think it's a reasonable judgment. I'm with you. I just want to give a, a my my love of paprika shout out. It's great. It's different heat. It's kind of a sweeter heat. 
I like it. It's definitely more understated, and, and you're right, it probably deserves to be in the honorable mention category, but don't sleep on paprika. It's good spice. I don't want to stay on it too long, but like uh, any of the any of the spices in that family, like they're they're somewhat somewhat interchangeable. Right. Like if you told me you were gonna go heavy on the paprika and go easy on the cumin, yes. like it, you know, it's yeah. It's a really good point because that's probably the group that is most googled conversion between paprika and cayenne. Yeah. I say that from extensive experience of doing that myself, but I also just knowing that that happens a lot, like, yeah. all right, let's just say, <laughs> let's Possibly. just say you're a guy who doesn't have a big spice rack and he doesn't have any cayenne. How much paprika would I have to put in <laughs> to replicate that? So again, just missed it right yeah. outside yeah. staring in, but wanted to call that out. Another one was turmeric. This mm-hmm. is it will stain your hands forever. Not used <laughs> often. I when I first used it, couldn't actually open the top of my turmeric, so I just stabbed little holes and tried to get it out that way. But it was okay because I you don't use it that often. But yeah. I feel like it is something that when you see it on a recipe, you're like. Wait, I need what and it's, how? It's definitely a niche spice. Yeah. I so, wish it were more of a niche spice because longtime girlfriend Caroline has been putting turmeric on her face as a nighttime skin treatment. Whoa. Mm. Yeah. So we went to Iceland like six months ago and I was very concerned that we would be receiving a bill from the Airbnb because she stained all of the towels and sheets in the whole place yellow because she wears turmeric at night and like if the two of us are sitting on my couch and it's like 8 30 she'll have a mask of turmeric on and she stinks she absolutely she like she stinks like turmeric so i have i can't stand it wow so that goes in your not top three then yeah it's like you know i can't even think of it that is number one in my not top three (laughs) it's also though i I enjoy it because you can also bring it into kombucha, which won't dive into kombucha that much, but yeah. big fan. Mm. And I also love, big fan. love that you can add turmeric into it and get a little bit of popped of flavor and then color on your teeth as well. Just <laughs> great. <laughs> mm. Two more I will call out and I'll leave the rest for people to guess on. Nutmeg. I wanted to bring up because mm, this is, I like that. This is one of those don't use it that often, mostly in baking. Sometimes it can get brought into a savory dish, but again, very minuscule. And if you don't have it, it's not the worst thing in the world, but I think it does provide a pop of flavor. And sometimes I find myself when I'm trying to dissect dishes going, what does this taste like? What is that extra little thing? And it's always, not always, but sometimes nutmeg that just is bringing a little bit of extra zest into my life. So nutmeg, strong contender. Finally, the last one that I wanted to call out, again, it's in the same vein of nutmeg, is sugar, actually. So Mm. sugar, I think, can be used in, again, baking, that's a thing, but also in a lot of these savory (laughs) dishes. I don't know. Do you bake with sugar? Maybe a little bit. But it's just a balance between when you have that salt or vinegar. It's to cut. You use it to cut something. Exactly. 
it's funny. I'm no mathematician, as you know, Kyle, but it's like <laughs> it's like one of those little plug figures. It's like, oh crap! I just spilled all my cardamom in there. What the hell do I do? It's like, well, okay, let me Google how much sugar it's, do I have to put in to cancel out six cups of cardamom? It's the WD forty of cooking mishaps. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Because it's like it's like if I just drop her in. Bloop, <laughs> all of that extra curry is gone. Yep. Yeah. So, My argument against its inclusion on even an honorable mention list, and it's a silly one, <laughs> is that it just doesn't qualify as a spice. Yeah. And the argument I would use to defend that position is at the beginning of the Powerpuff Girls theme when he says... <laughs> I'm glad you brought this up. Sugar, that is a very legitimate basis. Sugar yeah. and... Spice uh-huh. and everything nice. Yep. He doesn't say spices, including sugar. Sugar and spice. There's a distinction. Mm. And I think probably Professor Plutonium is, I would say, probably the, the authority on this type of thing. Yeah. So that's what Most I would likely, That's yeah. what I would say. As someone who grew up absolutely in love with Powerpuff Girls and Mojo Jojo and everything involved in that comic, I will completely agree to take this out of the honorable <laughs> mentions. Like, like you said, Professor Plutonium's got it in the bag. He knows what's up. Sugar, <laughs> sugar's out. Yeah. I also, in a, in a more real sense, I think it, it's a little separate from the feel of the list, but I think it, I think it def- it's, it's an honorable mention because you can use yeah. it. Yeah. All and- right. With that, I will leave the rest of my bay leaves, onion powder, crema tartare, and coriander off the list. <laughs> Wait, bay leaves, yeah. coriander? Crema tartare. Oh, is that different than tartar sauce? Yes. And then also onion powder. Onion powder. Because those were, I feel like, all things in recipes that go nice to have if you happen to find it just rattling around in the back of your cabinet. Mm-hmm. Bay yeah. leaves, uh, maybe not as much. A good bay leaf can can add a lot of flavor to your dish, but it's just not necessary. I think that bay leaves are interesting because they never feel necessary until you use them. And then when you've used it, you go, oh, that's that's why I was supposed to use that. Mm-hmm. So I agree. It's probably the first thing that gets bailed out of the ship, but it probably shouldn't be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I think I think you're onto something though. I think this, this is certainly where it belongs, though. Right. It's, a, it's an honorable yeah. mention. Yes. Yes. Most likely. Yes. So with that, I think we can go back into number three. Number three, my lord. Number three. three. Number three, this is something that is polarizing to a lot of people, not necessarily thought about, but a spice that I find myself always using, again, pulling back my Cincinnati roots, it's the great cinnamon. (laughs) I will say, you guys in Cincinnati get really, like, a little outside the box with cinnamon, a little past my comfort zone. But go ahead and explain that. Right. So to unbox that statement, uh, <laughs> if you're familiar with anyone from Cincinnati, you'll know that we have a certain tendency towards this dish called chili, and we have our way of doing things. It normally involves placing chili on spaghetti and combining it with cheese, which I didn't realize was weird until probably I was in high school. 
only then. I didn't realize it existed until I visited your home. Yeah. And I knew immediately it was weird. <laughs> but it, it never occurred to me that you wouldn't eat chili without pasta. That's just, that's not how you do things. Yep. <laughs> Who knew? So I grew up with chili that I think it's based out of a Greek dish originally, but Cincinnati chili has cinnamon in it as one of those core spices and it's mm-hmm. something that I don't recognize at all, but then I find myself inserting into a lot of my savory dishes. So because yeah. of that tie back to my home and the fact that I use it all the time, it definitely hit number three for me right there as could not function without. In addition to just your sweet dishes that you're going to be making with cinnamon. I'm totally down with this. I actually also put cinnamon in my chili. I didn't know that that was a Cincinnati thing or or really, I guess, I I don't know that I took that from anywhere. I just thought it would be nice one time and then got really into it. I love putting cinnamon in my chili. And I think, I think it's just really good kind of in a lot of savory dishes. I, I had something, I'm trying to remember where this was from. If it was, I think it was a Moroccan dish I made one time. And it was a chicken that had cinnamon in it, and it was, oof, it was just divine. It was so good. It was one of those dishes that I couldn't have screwed that dish up if I had wanted to. It just had the flavor profile was so nice, and the cinnamon was a big part of it. I'll piggyback on that and say I use cinnamon when I make chimichangas. Mm. It pairs really well with like a onion pepper chicken yeah. mix. Yeah, it. I was like kind of surprised to see that on the on the list, and mm-hmm. really glad that I did that. I don't put cinnamon in my chili. I use brown sugar, but that's basically the same concept. Yeah. but I respect that it's the same concept, but not the same thing. It's definitely well, not well, the same. <laughs> cinnamon falls into the, I think, into the, the realm of being the safer pick here because cinnamon, it's a little easier to sort of dial it in precisely as opposed to something like a brown sugar. I think that that is typically the risk with introducing sugar into a dish like a chili is that if you overdo it, you kind of have lost, in my opinion, you've lost what makes it it. But I think cinnamon, you can kind of dial up more more thoughtfully. And then, like, let's not forget, you can use cinnamon on a, on a variety of other contexts that's not just yes. savory food, like primarily used outside of this context. So it's great variety and a, a very wide range of, of things you can use it for. And really the Absolutely. only sweet one on this list so far. Yep. Yeah. It plays well with others, and it's such a crucial yes, part to yeah. how I cook. So mm-hmm. it had to come in at n- number three and just really pop up and be that strong contender in the list. Sure. I I think it it definitely has a distinct place in this list. I would I would be very surprised if it slipped much beyond three. It's a great, it's a really strong entry on this list. So then number two, what topped the cinnamon in my world was garlic. I know we talked a little bit about garlic before when we brought up the the terrible garlic flakes, but garlic in both forms, I brought in powder just because I know people use it, but really that, that pure sense of like bust open a clove, get you some good garlic and you can use it in so many dishes, dressings, roasted vegetables, meats, like, Roasted garlic hummus is my favorite thing. Mm. Just, it's so amazing. And it's one of those things, too, that you just throw out the recipe when you see two cloves. And I find myself going, okay, seven cloves. Excellent. 
<laughs> cooking well tonight. I do tend to go heavy on the garlic. That's true. I'll say for me, garlic powder is most useful when I like to make garlic toast, like garlic mm. bread as a side. Yes. Using oil and garlic powder on top and throwing in the oven, like from a practicality point of view is easier yeah. than using real garlic on it. That's true. Or I might sprinkle it on eggs, like scrambled eggs. Yep. Other than that, you really, I, I can't think of like too many more applications for it, but garlic, you can put garlic in literally anything and it's better. Yeah. Kyle, you might be busy next time you see Caroline, but <laughs> if you find a couple minutes, ask her about her use of garlic powder in making uh, everything bagels. She oh. has some everything bagel mix or something that she uses on avocado toast. Oh. So she'll take avocado toast, she'll take toast, put avocado, and then she has, I don't know if she makes it or buys it, some mix that ha- tastes like everything bagel and she puts it on top and she loves it. And it's very garlic powder oriented. I'm going to be busy next time I see Linus, but I will yeah. make time for this. Yeah. Ooh. I think it'll be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So garlic, huge power hitter. Yeah. yeah. Definitely comes in at my number two spot just because of the blanket of things that are covered by that. Yeah. Well, can I say the interesting thing about garlic is I think it's one of, I would, I would say it's one of two, I'd say one of two, like spice slash vegetables that when you smell it sautéing, it means mm. good food is coming no matter what. It's that in onions. Yes. When you yeah. smell onion sautéing or you smell garlic sautéing, there doesn't have to be anything else. Your mouth just starts yeah. watering uncontrollably. And it's crazy because garlic, if you were to just say, like, eat a clove of garlic, it's gross. Yeah. But that's, but that sound, that smell is so rich and so inviting. Oh, so good. I'm hungry. I've, I've discovered that the only thing that you need to do to make people think that you're cooking up a storm is just start sauteing an onion. That's absolutely. (laughs) People walk in the kitchen like, oh, what's cooking? It's like, Ah, one onion. <laughs> there is one onion. Singular onion here. Yeah. We're going to be doing the Stanley Yelnat special. We'll be eating onions like apples tonight. <laughs> Perfect. What's Mariello? <laughs> what is it? And on that note, what's number one? Number one. I uh, think, Kyle, you know where we're headed with this. Probably not a lot of others who aren't as close to me will know, but... The number one spice on my list was always going to end up here. It's chili powder. It is chili powder. Again, growing up in Cincinnati where I think a lot of my life was surrounded by chili and eating chili at least once a week and not just Cincinnati style chili, but dump chili, everything in between. I devour that spice. And as Kyle mentioned, red pepper flakes was his first kilt it completely spice. I went through an entire, I forget what size, but just your standard size of spice. Mm-hmm. Went through that in about a year after I graduated and started cooking on my own pretty consistently. I now have, I think, three, almost, <laughs> not tons, we'll call it, but really big jars of chili powder always available in my kitchen because it's not just for chili. I use it in 
Mexican dishes, Indian dishes, you know, Mediterranean dishes. I use it when I'm cooking eggs. It is my go-to sprinkle on anything and you just elevate it enough. It's the one that I always will top over cumin. When there's a, <laughs> when there's a recipe that's like two teaspoons of cumin and one of chili powder, I'm like, mm, we're flipping that, uh, yeah. reverse. And again, roasting vegetables, it just, goes across the board. I find myself using it so much in everything that I cook. Definite bias on this one, but had to come in at number one for me when I was crafting this list just because I use it so often and it's a major staple in everything that I do. Well, it's an incredibly versatile spice. I, for me, I would group this like, for me, this functions a lot like cumin and paprika like it it has a lot of the same notes for me and i find i cook with them in tandem a lot but i would say like behind crushed red pepper like this is one in my cabinet that goes fast yeah i think ultimately i'm gonna have a hard time putting chili powder above garlic Mm. yeah because i think i think i think garlic is king and i think chili powder suffers from the issue that i was mentioning a little bit earlier i think with cayenne which is that it requires a certain environment that you have to introduce it into to make it kind of work in its in its state, which is that powdery form. But that's a minor that's a minor issue in what is a wonderful spice with a great variety of applications. So I think it it deserves to be very high on this list. Yeah. But I I don't know. My inclination initially would be to put garlic and cinnamon higher. Okay. We'll we'll get into it. We'll yeah, get into yeah. it. And we're we're encroaching on a pretty lengthy podcast here, so Mike, let's go through, yeah, some of our honorable mentions that we think deserve consideration, and then we'll get into this thing. What do you, what do you have? So for honorables, so I think two that Sarah mentioned that I do think are great but honorable would be onion powder and bay leaves. Mm-hmm. Great honorable one that I don't know if we're counting because it sort of straddles this interesting line would be mint. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think if we count it. Mint would likely be very high on this list. I don't know. Some of our Greek friends might argue that it it ought to be included in this list, but I think it, it somehow feels a little bit separate. And then I would, I think two that I, I'm I'm a little less serious about would be curry powder. I really love curry powder, and I think it has applications well beyond Indian cuisine. I love curry powder in chili. I put a little bit in my chili. Mm. I like red curry powder or yellow curry powder. Both are very tasty. So th- that's one that I think is kind of an honorable mention. And I th- I think you probably would get... I occupy an odd space on this because I'm my family's not Indian. And so I don't have like a tradition of Indian cooking in my family. So I really like it. But I think people who are probably like have, you know, a longer tradition of Indian cooking. My impression is that like powdered curry is not is not a very popular solution mm. so it, it occupies a bit of a weird space allspice mm-hmm. i'm all about allspice so allspice i think is like a borderline contender it's a really funky little spice that works just as well in something like a like a one of your favorites kyle a carrot cake or like a pumpkin pie something like that as it does once again, in my chili, it's a really interesting taste. It's a little bit like cinnamon. It's very versatile in its flavor profile. I think allspice would warrant some consideration at the 
back end of this list. But the only one that I really want to stump for would be uh, Fennel. So I think Fennel deserves to be on this list. Fennel is great as an add-in to a lot of recipes. Anytime you want to do some sort of like stuffed meat dish, you're going to find mm-hmm. fennel seeds are going to be in there. So if you if you do like a, a chicken stuffed with prosciutto, you should put some fennel seeds in there. Fennel seeds, you don't even know it. You consume a lot of them in any Italian sausage you have. That is the most important piece of that flavor. I think fennel seeds should be everywhere. And I would argue that they deserve to be somewhere in like the five to eight range. Wow. Yeah, but that's the only one that I'm really serious about. I think you did a great job. I think there's a little bit of reordering to be done, but as far as stuff that needs to get added, I, I think fennel is like the big one. And maybe allspice, but yeah, I'm all, not going to Allspice is definitely hill. in the like nutmeg contender yeah. in mm. my head. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely gets used in a lot of those baking dishes that yeah. you do and provides a little bit of extra kick, but yep. doesn't necessarily top out some of the more savory ones. Pro- I think you're probably right about that. I just happen to really like it. So I, I'm I'm okay with that living at, like, mentally number ten and a half. I don't have any I'm super serious about. I would throw rosemary on there. Oh, I'm now serious about rosemary. Yes. <laughs> rosemary is a good... Yeah. That might have been a deliberate leave out of this conversation. <laughs> well, that's foolishness then. Yeah. I... It's one of those very overwhelming tastes to me, and so yes. I just don't keep it that careful. often. And like, my worst, the worst thing that you can do to a nice, like, crispy breakfast potato, in my opinion, is put rosemary in it. Like, what are you doing? It's really easy to burn accidentally, and yeah. it's also easy to get confused about what a bunch of rosemary is. <laughs> Oh, a bunch of rosemary! And <laughs> just, like, chuck a bunch of it in there. But, tastefully done, all yeah. the hipster places nowadays will give, will give the option to put rosemary on fries, and that's really good. Oh, It's even I good really in like a drink. It. It's yep. even tasty in some drinks. I think rosemary, like a nice actual sprig of rosemary laid onto a rotisserie chicken, yep. or like a whole oven-baked chicken, is just a beautiful sight. Oh, tasty. Speaking of drinks, that's one of the reasons I, I want to actually lobby for mint a little bit, because mm. if you've ever consumed a mint julep, having a sprig of mint is, <sighs> yeah. it's one of my favorite that's alcoholic true. beverages, and the mint is probably like 70% why. Yeah. Well, the, also, the other thing is, yeah, mint, sorry, you go. My grandpa grows a lot of mint in his garden, and as a kid, I would go into his garden and just pick it and just like chew on it. Because yeah. It, it, it's... It's it's one, it's my favorite herb, and I don't cook with it a lot. But mint is my favorite flavor, and there's enough you can do with the herb itself that I think I think it actually probably belongs. The last one is more of a personal thing because my mom cooks with it a lot, specifically on her pork chops. Is the lemon pepper? Oh, oh yeah. I associate it like very specifically with pork chops, and whenever I make them, I cook with lemon pepper, mm-hmm. and I don't really use it on a lot of other things except maybe. I might throw it on on chicken, but that's just that's just personal. Again, back to the fresh tomatoes. My grandfather, my mom's mom, would just chop up fresh tomatoes, throw a little bit of lemon pepper on it, and that's mm. all you need on a nice summer day. Love lemon pepper. I think its uses are probably limited enough yes. that it's 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 an honorable mention. Also, does it fall into the rule of no pepper and salt? I think I would exclude it from that rule because it doesn't really 
Because pepper is so ubiquitous, right? Whereas yeah. lemon pepper is really not used outside of a few contexts. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. the, I think they're different enough in that way. I wasn't going to lobby hard for it to be on the list anyways. I think we're probably serious about mint, fennel. I'm actually not super serious about rosemary, but if you, if I think I am, I think you were right to add that to, for consideration. Okay. So in your mind, what looks vulnerable on Sarah's list? I would say oregano feels vulnerable. Agreed. I would agree. I think that cumin feels a little bit vulnerable, but I would understand if you guys disagree. I mean, cilantro. But Wait a minute. Yeah. Before we get too much further, I just want to add that you said I one of my favorites was carrot cake, and that was a joke. I really do not like carrot cake very much. I wanted to have that record straight. <laughs> I just that was like 20 that. minutes ago, Ooh, and I'm, really, I'm very glad you made sure that people knew that. It's not that I don't like carrot cake. It's just that one time you tried to argue that it was better than apple pie, and I got mad. So I, we, I would stand by that argument. We don't have time, but go ahead. We could talk about that another day. This is the issue with this list. I, I oregano. What what do you see as vulnerable? Oregano is the only one that really pops to me. I think we should not group. I don't think we should group, but I think we should pick like one of the savory spices. Like we have cayenne and cumin and chili powder that are largely functioning in very similar ways. Mm-hmm. Mm. You can kind of throw crushed red pepper in there. I think that I want to keep crushed red pepper. I think it's distinct enough yeah. that it, it shouldn't be considered as part I of I think that. we could bop cayenne, though. I think up to two of cayenne, cumin, and chili powder can oh. get up to two. I think it, I think at least cayenne probably yeah. is off. I think that probably is cayenne, then. So I think cayenne and oregano, and I would be willing to... I think I would be willing to let go of rosemary. Okay. That's fine with me because I really like cumin and would hate to see it get off this list. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I dislike it, I still think it's a major player. Well, I think this oh, this has been working for us recently, Kyle. I think that we could probably build from the top here because I think yeah. the top couple feel pretty pretty obvious. Yes. So do do we kind of feel if I'm if I were doing my top couple, I'm probably going maybe garlic, cinnamon, mint is probably like one, two, three. So I I I have a problem with mint being that high. I think it's a little aggressive for mint, just because of, in my opinion, it's somewhat limited applicability in actual like cooking. Mm. For me, it's like it's like almost purely like a garden and like a tea like herb I, I i still would like it to be like on the top half of the list but i think three is probably a little aggressive what do you think i i agree and i think if we're looking at spices too is the cross-platform variety that you can use in different cuisines mint doesn't necessarily yeah. have that carryover here's a hot i take. think that's fair but it is such a crucial crucial herb i don't want it to fall too far I, but I, here's a hot take maybe i think Cilantro belongs on the list. I think given the divisive nature of it, I think it should go down a little bit. I would agree. I think in that place, we should bump basil up really high. Mm. I'm I'm interested in that. Are you potentially interested in basil like as high as like a three or four? I would be interested in basil at four if we put chili powder at three. I yes. would agree with that. Agreed. Because I think we have to keep at least one of those yeah. core mm-hmm. trios in one the of the top. spicy guys. Yep. I would then, in my in my opinion, 
I would not, I think it would be wrong to put Mint any lower than five though, because if we think it should be included on this list, that means we are comfortable with its merits as a sort of non-cooking spice. And if we're comfortable with its merits as a non-cooking spice, then we need to consider its merits as a non-cooking spice, which are considerable. Like, mint is probably... I, I would be willing to bet that in a poll of tastes around the world, mint is probably the most popular taste. Mint, everybody loves mint. Listen, mint is my favorite flavor. You don't have to no, convince I, yeah. me. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be, un, like, impartial here. <laughs> uh, this is... Uh, but I'm trying to be impartial, too. I think if we... Uh, we should either have mint not be on this list, or it should be represented very high. And I think five would be an appropriate place for it. I, I could get behind that. Especially as a fellow mint flavor lover. Let's do it then. Let's put mint at five, which means our bottom five in some order are going to be cilantro, ginger, crushed red pepper, cumin. And fennel. And fennel. And fennel. Do you want to work from the back again? Because I think fennel's probably ten. I agree. I don't think most people would like be able to identify fennel in a lineup, a but taste lineup. They wouldn't they, know it, but they, they, no, they, they sure know. do. Yeah, agreed. I would then slot cilantro in as a number nine just because of its polarizing yeah. taste. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I, I don't agree. think crushed red pepper should be below. I, I think ginger needs to be above crushed red pepper if we're I, talking yeah. about variety yeah. again. I would probably go, if I went basil, mint, I would go ginger, crushed red, cumin. Yep. Yeah. I like, I, I feel really good about that. I what like do you this think? list. Mike? I'm so into this list. I, I'm so hungry. <laughs> I think we've just developed the definitive top ten list of herbs and spices. Stamp it. Copyright. Yeah. This is it. Sarah, do you want to, to recap quote, To us? quote Afro Man, I gave her my special blend of herbs and spices. Oh, thank you, Mike. There it is. <laughs> this will be used in all culinary schools from <laughs> this point forward. Your assignment. Yeah. Listen to episode whatever this is. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. But yeah, to to take us from the bottom to the top with the sneaky intro from our honorable mentions to number 10, we have our fennel followed by cilantro at number nine and cumin at eight. Then we get into Kyle's love of the crushed <laughs> red pepper at number seven, ginger at number six, and mint with the out of left field, number five. Uh, closing out our... You just missed the podium, Basil, at number four. <laughs> and our solid three of chili powder with the bronze cinnamon coming in at two. And our number one herb and spice, garlic. What a delight, Sarah. Damn. I'm, deepest apologies for having it take so long, but we're glad <laughs> we finally made this happen. Thank you I, so this, much for having me. This show me. is all about picking a good topic and having the right people on it. And you picked a great topic, and you are most certainly the right person to be with us for this evening. Excellent. I'm glad we could morph this out of a lovely conversation that Kyle and I started many moons <laughs> ago. <laughs> Looking forward to your next one, which I'm sure will be Cincinnati Reds related. Yeah, you know, now that we've <laughs> talked about it. Now that, yeah, now that you've like, ingratiated yourselves with the listening public, it's time to it's time to go deep on a Reds podcast, probably. I'll tell you what, Kyle and I are already ready with our top ten best things about the Great American Ballpark. Oh, like, perfect. We're, we're ready. We loved everything about it, and we're ready to roll. Yeah, I I, I will be here for it and start prepping now. <laughs> awesome. Thanks again, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. Right, see you, buddy. Adios.
Alrighty, friends, that was our top 10 for this week. But now we'd love to hear your top 10. So please check us out on all of our available social media outlets, traditional outlets, whatever outlets we have. Check us out on Twitter at Top10KM. That's all spelled out, Top10KM. Our email, Top10KM, spelled the same way, at gmail.com. Or our site, Top10KM.podbean.com. All forms of communication accepted, except for serial killer notes. Please don't send us any of those. If you like the pod, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never have to miss an episode of Top 10 ever again. If you didn't like it, Please tell us why. We'll try to make the show better. Our theme music was composed by Kevin McLeod, and our artwork was created by Erin Sant. You can check out her stuff at Sant Design on Instagram. Alrighty, goons. We'll see you next week. <laughs>